Open to Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 17. Let's read. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. In him the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's open in prayer. Father God, we just thank you that your word says to Paul that you're growing us, your family, into one body. Even this morning as we sing these songs about being on the road, being called to a city where it flows through the very essence of our being, your city knows our name through Jesus. And Father, we just thank you for your spirit, that your spirit leads and guides us into all truth. And so, Father, even as we explore your word this morning, I pray that everybody sitting here this morning just retains and receives the the revelation that they need just to understand that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they, too, are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We pray and ask for your wisdom this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wandered through a maze? Mazes are an ancient structure that have been around for thousands of years, going back to the time of Rome, even long before that. And I wonder what our fascination is with a maze. But I remember when I was in high school, you know, 12, 13, and you look at the world and you try and analyze what it is with life that makes it so confusing and it's just so complicated. What am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to be in 10 years from now, 5 years from now? What does this look like? Life seems like a maze. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen today, this afternoon? What are we going to do? You know, when you're speaking to young people about career choices, right? We've all been there. What are you going to do with your life? What's your life going to look like? Some people, when your children leave home and they go out, you're suddenly downsizing, you've suddenly got an empty nest. What's the next phase? What does the next season look like? It seems like every day there's a new turn. There's a new twist. Something new happening on the horizon. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. We've got to face the good news with the bad news. And bad news tends to be the news that we don't want to hear. But life is inevitable, like the snow. 
Half of us don't want the snow, but if you want to live on the lake, you need the snow for the lake to come. And so you need the snowfall. You need the winter so that spring can be the next season. So where are you in your season of life? Where are you? Where are you in this maze of life? All right, there you go. I was reflecting this week while I was reading the scripture on the state of refugees. Two weeks ago, on, uh, not this weekend, weekend before, we had a whole lot of Ukrainian young people at Joy. We had over 100 young people. And they were on fire for Jesus. They were, I was trying to go up and lock up at 11 o'clock at night. They were still busy. So we came back at 12, but they were still busy. They were having a prayer meeting. They were dancing. They were just having a good time in the Holy Spirit. They were just having a thoroughly good time. But these are all young people that have come to Canada in the recent while. And I was just looking at the statistics for 2022. Do you know there's over 100 million refugees worldwide? 100 million. 38 million of them are born in refugee status, which means their parents are on the run. Can you imagine if you are pregnant or a husband and wife and, and you're expecting a child, but you're on the run, you're on the road and you don't know where you're going. All you're looking is for a place to call home. When you leave here this afternoon, do you have a place called home? And for the vast majority of us, because we live in the nice Canadian countryside, most of you have got a nice home to go to. It's nice, it's heated. You know you've got a, a refrigerator with food in it. Can you imagine if you were breastfeeding a, a baby Thinking about where's this nourishment going to come from? Can you imagine crossing the Mediterranean Sea, trying to escape North Africa, trying to get into Italy or Spain? I was looking at one of the, reflecting, and there's one place, there's a, just the top part of um, North Africa, there's a, an, a French enclave, and how you get 10,000 young men trying to rush this enclave so that they can claim refugees status in this enclave in North Africa. People are desperate to find a home. What about you growing up? Part of those twists and turns. Will you ever own your dream home? Right? My daughters, they love playing Sims. They spend hours designing homes. They don't even play the game. They just design homes and decorate it and redecorate it. And I only wish redecorating was as easy as uh, clicking a mouse and a couple of us gentlemen in our congregation would be out without a job. But we have this dream about this home that we want to live in, that we can call home. Do you dream about what your home would look like? Maybe some people, you've had your dream home and now you need to downsize because all of a sudden that's too big. Now you need something easy to maintain and look after. Once upon a time, a, a wonderful, beautiful staircase would have been amazing. Now you look at staircases with trepidation. Yes, <laughs> staircases. What are just about a piece of land? I know that's big around here, right? Everybody wants a little hunting cabin. 
Maybe a few maple trees on that yard so you can have, make your own maple syrup. Meeting lots of people who, who just want to have be a little bit off-grid. Isn't that a wonderful dream? If you're a refugee in this world today, having a piece of land that you can just live on and look after your family, raise a family, what a privilege, what a privilege. And yet in our mind's eye, we, some, in, we human beings, we think we're going to buy a piece of land and we're going to put our name to it. It's going to be ours. And yet, I feel the Holy Spirit sometimes reminds us, even if you get that piece of land and even if God is good to you and he gives it to you for 60 years, one day that land gets taken back from you because you don't take it with you to the grave. Your body goes back to the earth from dust to dust. To dust you shall return. You're merely stardust. And so it moves on to the next person that will dream about what to do with a piece of land. But where does that leave you going forward? This maze of life. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying something about what Jesus said. Last week we were speaking about circumcision in the flesh, indicating that before the Israelites went to Egypt, the relationship with God was in the flesh. The only way to know if a person was a believer in the Most High God was circumcision in the flesh. And then something happens. Jesus comes along and he says, Jesus came and preached the kingdom of God. But he says, Jesus came and preached peace. Peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access, access in one spirit to the Father. That's quite profound. You see, one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom. God has over a hundred names in the Hebrew Bible. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah, the name of God, Shalom. God is your, the Lord is our peace. Isn't that amazing? You're looking for a home. You're a refugee in this world. And Jesus came to preach that his father is the Lord of our peace. So let us look at this. Shalom with God. Most fundamentally, shalom means reconciliation with God. God can give us peace with himself or remove it. Psalms 85 and Jeremiah 16. There's an example in Numbers 25 verse 12 where Phineas, he's the priest, turns away God's wrath on sin. And he and his family are given a covenant of shalom with God. God makes a covenant of peace with you. Are you a believing family? Have you dedicated your family to God? Are you zealous for the things of God? When you do, that is known as a covenant of shalom, a covenant of peace. One of the offerings under Mosaic Covenant is the shalomim offering, the peace or fellowship offering. The only one of the Levitical sacrifices in which the offerer receives back some of the meat to eat. So when you make a, a Shalomim offering, 
you and the Lord eat that meal together in the Levitical covenants. When you sin, do you know that it disrupts your peace with God? When anything heals this rupture and closes the gap between us and God, there should be a celebration, a joyful meal in God's presence. And you know, here at Graphite, we celebrate every single Sunday morning. You can come here and we celebrate God's reconnection with us every Sunday morning. We celebrate a meal in God's presence because the gap between our Heavenly Father and us is brought together, is brought into one. Shalom means to be at whole with God, to be at whole with yourself. Well-being, prosperity, completeness, safety, do you like to be in harmony with other people? One of the biggest challenges I see in counseling people today is people struggle to even have harmony with themselves. How much time do you spend fighting with yourself in your own mind? What are your thoughts like? Do you spend a lot of time arguing with yourself? Do I really need to be thinking this? How do we polish this brain? The Bible says to take every thought captive. Because there's a war on for your mind. Every piece of information you read comes into your mind. And you have to discern whether this is of God, whether it's of your flesh. This is, is this something you really need to know? Do you really need to know what your neighbor's up to behind closed doors? Do you really need to know? That's called gossip. God says that it's cancer. You do not need gossip. It doesn't refresh you. It doesn't bring you into harmony with the world. When the world comes to you and you are in harmony with yourself and you're in harmony with God, people desire harmony. If you have the harmony, if you have the shalom with God, you can bring somebody else into shalom. But if you are in a tornado within yourself, how are you going to lead somebody else into the peace of God? So being at peace with God, in harmony with God, is such an important part of our walk. And this is what Paul is saying. When Jesus came, he came preaching wholeness with God, a return, a reintegration with God from us living. Some are far off, some of us a little bit closer. So in the morning, I might wake up and I'm three feet away from God. Maybe somebody else, maybe you were 10 feet away from God, but it doesn't matter. God says, come. Come, all of you who are weary, heavy laden, come. Come into wholeness. Come into harmony with me. Do we not sing in harmony from the stage? Can you imagine if we didn't sing in harmony, what that would sound like? Do you like a good harmony? I do. It's when we sing in harmony that we come into a place of peace. Shalom. You see, once upon a time we had Abram and there was a covenant in the flesh. And that was the circumcision. And then God says to his people, I want to bring you out of Egypt. So he sends Moses. And they, and they bring them out of Egypt, out of the world. And they travel through the baptism of the Red Sea. Just like you, many of you have had your baptism. Out of the world and you were covenanted with God. 
Then God says, I want to make my dwelling place amongst my people. And so there he is. In the wilderness, God creates his tent, the tent of meeting. And God's presence, the, the, the Israelites would encamp about the camp. But they could see the, the fiery pillar by night and the cloud by day. They could see God. God was in their midst. This was amazing. This was profound. What God in the world wants to live amongst his people. And then later on they get to Jerusalem, the promised land. They were refugees for 40 years. And then they get to Jerusalem and they go through the turmoil of the kings. But eventually they build, under Solomon, they build a temple. This is God's dwelling place amongst the people. And one day in the book of Revelations it says, you and I are going to go up to Jerusalem. Why are we going to go up to Jerusalem? Because we want to go on a tourist site? No. Because we want to go and visit. We want to go up to the kingdom, Mount Zion, and meet with our Heavenly Father. That is our home. That temple, when Jesus died on that cross, the curtain in that temple was torn. Up until then, only one man every year could go into that place once. And that was such a holy place that there were bells on his robe and a rope tied to his leg. That if he walked in there and he did something wrong and he, and he died, the bell stopped ringing. They could pull him out by his ankle. Because to enter into God's presence was holy. Ultimately holy. So holy it's, it was something to be afraid of. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The love of God is the perfection of wisdom. And so God wanted circumcision in the flesh. He, he made it the tent of meeting. And now that he's got a house. But then God goes one step further. And he sends his son. Because God was never satisfied with the circumcision in the flesh. He wasn't satisfied with the tent in the wilderness. He wasn't satisfied with the, the beautiful temple created in his honor. That isn't the temple that God seeks. God seeks shalom. Jehovah shalom. God wants to be whole with you. God wants every fiber of your being. He created you because he wanted this family. And this family is going to be built on love, peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness, kindness. And so he sends Jesus to explain to us what this peace looks like. And even in so doing that, Jesus pays the price. He removes the hindrance you know that stuff that makes us, you know when you're, you and your spouse, you're having an argument? What is that argument always about? Money, all sorts of things, right? And God is coming and he's trying to remove all these things. Removing all these hindrances from a good relationship. And he's restoring us to himself. And as I'm restored to God, I'm restored to my wife. And I'm restored to you. 
Paul continues writing this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do you see how profound that is, family? You've gone from being a refugee in your own spiritual walk, and now you're a member of the household of God. This is an eternal covenant. It's unbreakable. God will never break it. It's just that's not who God is. You're a member of the household of God. Sin and all. You're that, you're that member. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. So when Jesus was walking this earth, he gathered to himself these apostles and prophets. And Jesus being the cornerstone, he brought these disciples with him. And Jesus held them together. And you'll say, well, Martin, how's that possible? You know when Jesus was taken captive? Do you know what happened when the cornerstone, the capstone was taken away? Do you know what happened? What does the Bible tell us? It says all the disciples fled. Without the capstone... There is no structure in our church. There is no structure in Christianity. Without Christ, there's nothing. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, so once upon a time, there was this building. And God says, no, that's not what I want. I want my family, my collective children, to be my temple. You and I together are a reflection of the temple of God. How do we know that? In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So if you're attending graphite, you're part of the graphite stone in God's kingdom. You're part of God's family. The Holy Spirit rests upon you. So you're no longer a refugee in this world. The moment you say, Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. The days of being a refugee are over. You enter into the baptism. And so the structure went from being Jesus walking around with his disciples. And God started building his temple. And it's a very big temple. If you're going to read the book of Revelations... The new Jerusalem is, sounds pretty impressive. But Jesus started solidifying and building. Every single church, every single set of believers, every single country, every nation, every tongue are being built into this temple, this new home that you have. You're never alone. You're never deserted. God is omnipotent, omniscient, and His Spirit is with you no matter where you are. Whether you're going to the washroom on your own, he's with you. Were you playing the snow? He's with you. You can never be alone now with God because he's always with you. He knows how many hairs there are in your head. His word says it clearly. And God says he knows the plans he has for you. So you don't have to worry about what you're going to be studying most. I'll tell you this much. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, here am I. Lead me today into all things. And you just put one foot in front of the other 
and God will take care of the rest. God can career path you like no one else. That is my own testimony for another time. And you see, this is likened, this temple is likened to the marriage covenant where the husband leaves his home. He, he gets married to his wife and they become one flesh, a brick, a building block of God's kingdom. The family is the basic building block of God's kingdom. And as your family joins our family and we become, become a building, we become a house here at Graphite Chapel. Just as every other church congregation is part of God's kingdom. And we're a building block. Because there's this covenant. And remember, like cement, the bonds of marriage are unbreakable. Yes, we can divorce. But God said God hates divorce. If you're afraid of God, and you know that God hates divorce, do you think divorce brings people into shalom? Anybody witness any Anybody here? How many of you have witnessed divorce? Did you notice it? Did it separate people or did it bring people into wholeness? Was it harmony or disharmony? I come from a divorced family. I'll tell you, 60 years later, the ramifications of the divorce are still unresolved. Unresolved. But where you've had a parent or grandparents that have been married for 50 or 60 years, what is the fruit of the 50 or 60 years? Choose. Harmony, disharmony. The marriage covenant is the cement that binds us to each other, to God. It is unbreakable because God himself will not break covenants. We human beings tend to be a little bit unfaithful quite often. And so we realign. Lord, here am I. I am yours. Because later on in the chapter, when we get to Ephesians 5, we're going to say, and the two shall become one. This is profound. That's why marriage is the mystery of heaven. Marriage is the mystery of heaven revealed. If you've tasted of a good marriage, you've tasted of heaven. See, God is making a dwelling place. God is your dwelling place. God says, here am I, my child. Come to me. Come under my wings. I desire to gather you all together. You're mine. My banner over you is? What's the greatest gift in the Bible? Amen. When I walk in love towards you, when I walk in love, in relationship with my wife, in love, what can go wrong? Love brings harmony like nothing else. When you walk in a world, do we have, do we have a world today that walks in love? When we're at war with each other, is that love in action? There's no place for hatred in God's kingdom. God is making his dwelling place in your heart so that you as a family if you walk in love as a family and as we as a congregation walk in love with one another so God's kingdom is built in this place of shalom in peace in wholeness to be at one with each other Jehovah Shalom the Lord is our peace 
Every day of my life, I can wake up knowing where I am is where God wants me to be. Because God is my place. God is my tent. God is my being. Without, without God, I've got no place to go. There's no cave to hide in. There's no, no remote hunting cabin in the woods to go to. Even if you went to that hunting cabin, it's only on loan to you for a short period. Enjoy it, sure. God made it for you to enjoy. But that's why this world is a gift to us, to taste and see that he is good. And with that, God invites you to have a wonderful week. This life is not a punishment. God says, when you walk in love every single day of your life, remember the first time you ever fell, fell in love with somebody? Were you all grumpy and wimpy and just having a bad week? Or when you, it's like, or did it feel like you were floating through the air? God is inviting you to float through the air. He wants you to be in love with him because he's in love with you. There's nothing he won't do for you. But God will not entertain sin. Sin separates us from God as, as much as oil and water cannot be mingled. You can shake it as much as you like. But if you're going to allow sin, if I'm going to be unfaithful to my wife and I want to wake up in the morning and go before God and pray, that sin in my life removes my wholeness from God, removes my peace. So I say, Lord, just direct my footsteps. Keep me holy before you. Make my words be a blessing. And just, it's just realignment all the time. And we live in a world that the dust of this world is on us all the time. Take a shower. Cleanse yourself. Come to communion. Say, Lord, thank you that you are my all in all. You are my, your, may your name be written on my forehead. Not the world. Not the triple six. But Jesus, may your name be on my forehead. Invite the worship team up this morning. Let's take a moment just to bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And I'm inviting you this morning just to realign yourself with the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, here am I this morning. Lord, here am I. Lord, we love you. Father, I love you with an everlasting love. Father God, help me to love you like you love me. Lord, help me to love my neighbor like you love them. Father, help me to see my neighbor as you see them. Lord, help me to see me as you see me. Lord, in all things, let me bring harmony to my home. Let me bring harmony to my street, to my town, to my nation. And Father God, we pray for our leaders in Canada. Father God, bring them into harmony with you. Give them dreams, give them visions, Father God. We pray that they walk in your spirit of truth and reconciliation in all things. And Father God, as we go this week, give us love to fill our souls that we may just flow through the week just being in love with you at all times. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.